Welcome along to the Loftcast. I'm Ian Taylor from the QBR Media Team, and today I'm joined by Club Ambassador Andy Sinton and my media colleague Paul Morrissey. We'll be looking back on Friday's narrow defeat to Fulham in the West London Derby, as well as the season so far. As well as all of that, we'll be delighted to be joined by actor and huge QBR fan Paul Bullion. Paul, thanks for joining us here on the Loftcast. We're recording live from uh, Loftus Road, uh, a stadium that I'm sure you always enjoy coming to, whether it's to watch matches or or to take part in a podcast. Absolutely. Um, I love coming to this ground uh, ever since I was, I think, six or seven, my first game. Um, came to see QPR Man City um, and we won 1-0. And ever since then, it's a very special uh, place to come to and I hold it dear in my heart. A 1-0 win, you say, on that first game. And a, a win, um, wins are few and far between uh, for a lot of fans during their first games. But what made you become a QBR, QBR fan? Was it a family thing? or? Oh, yeah, my dad. Yeah, my dad. As soon as I was born, I was in a, uh, a blue and white striped baby grow. And, uh, <laughs> and he was always uh, listening to the games on the radio and uh, taking me down to the, to the games as a kid. And, uh, yeah, so a bribery with uh, QPR shirts as a kid. And you're, are you a local guy? Uh, my dad uh, grew up in Hayes um, and his uh, work moved to Milton Keynes. So I was born in Milton Keynes. Um, and uh, but he insisted that I support the QPR. And uh, yeah, I'm now addicted. And you've never looked back since. What, um, what are your earliest memories? You mentioned that Man City game as, as being the first game. I guess that would be the earliest memory. But what are your best memories from those early days following the hours? Um, yeah, it's got, it's got to be uh, Trevor St. Clair's goal. As a kid, uh, you walk into school very proud to talk about that um, because at the time, obviously, <clears throat> uh, as a kid, you collect like football stickers and uh, everybody was swapping around the Premier League stickers. But I stuck solidly with the nationwide football <laughs> league stickers, um, and uh, I think me and my brother were the only ones that uh, used to collect them. So we just swapped with each other on the playground at home. Um, and uh, yeah, Trev St Clair's goal. Um, I also remember a game. I think it was against Port Vale. Uh, where we were 4-0 down yeah. and we came back to 4 all, and I think it was on ITV and uh, my brother was saying oh just turn it over just turn it over it's over and my dad, my, yeah my dad said no anything can happen anything can happen and uh, it was a 4 all, 4 all, um draw and we were jumping around our front room and, uh, and that was very exciting I think I keep that now when I come to games and you know you do see for various reasons you know fans sometimes leave five ten minutes early and I'm mm. you know especially like the other night um, yeah. Friday night Fulham you see some fans leaving but I knew there was going to be a lot of uh, added time not quite nine minutes uh, yeah. but I think it was fair because there was a lot of um, a lot of uh, I thought time wasting going on um, yeah. during the game and uh, anything could happen I thought oh this could this could go our way and when they missed a penalty I was buzzing I celebrated like we'd scored a goal but, um, <laughs> but uh, yeah it was uh, it was great and I think that attitude that my, my dad had towards games anything can happen it's I, rubbed know, off on you it's rubbed off on me massively <laughs> you talk about Trevor Sinclair then um, being one of your earliest heroes so it's a game for Grenfell that you and you and Trevor were both part of mm. um, what an amazing occasion it was um, we'll talk in depth about that now I think What? how did it how did it feel for you, a, a lifelong QPR fan, to to not just run out and play in that game, but also rub shoulders with with some of your heroes? Oh, it was huge, and um, and I married up with you know the the, the primary reason as to why um, the game was put on in the first place. It was an honour to to be part of that and to to 
keep people talking about Grenfell. Um, I feel like uh, it was, that was the most important thing mm. about about the game. Um, and to be asked was an absolute honour. Uh, and uh, to sit in that dressing room with players that I grew up watching, you know, Tre- Trevor Sinclair um, as our captain, and uh, sitting next to uh, uh, Kevin Gallen in the in the in the, the changing room because uh, we had we had you know Mourinho, uh, the special one, the. Uh, <laughs> Uh, and everyone was asking me about what it was like to meet him but um, for me it was sitting next to Kevin Gallen because he was always on the team sheet when I was growing up so yeah. that was that was amazing for me Was it a bit of a pinch yourself kind of day? Oh absolutely Because I mean you surround, yeah, yeah. You surround yourself with, with celebrities in, mm. your, in your line of work but to be alongside like you say those guys that you've grown up watching admiring idolising mm. to be actually sat next to him Andy was in your dressing room as well I think yeah, absolutely. It's it's like a, a football for for many um, is is it's an elusive thing. It's a, it's a magical thing for people. Um, coming to Loftus Road for me is a magical thing, um, and I've done it so many times growing up, um, home and away to watch to watch the club that I support, um, and then to suddenly be in the dressing room with those players and to run out and to have uh, family members and friends that support um, the club and. Uh, and, and support support me through through what I do um, to come and watch that. It was a very proud moment and uh, and special moment for for the day itself for the the Grenfell survivors and to play a small part in that was a, was a massive thing for me. What would you say was the the highlight of the day for you? Like there was loads going on. Kevin Gallen sat next mm. to you, playing at Loftus Road in front of a full house, mm. meeting all various people that perhaps you wouldn't have met ordinarily. Like Ian says. Be- because of your line of work, you get to meet pop stars, etc. But your buzz was sat next to Kevin Gallen. What would you say was the highlight of the day for you? Um, the highlight for me, I think, was uh, just just the, the the community feel um, uh, around the club. I think football sometimes gets uh, a lot of bad press, and um, it was seeing my name on that team sheet, uh, standing in the circle at the start um, talking about um, the people that are involved the firefighters, the survivors having the firefighters being subbed on um, and then sitting there at half time um, I've sat next to to one of the firefighters and uh, and we're listening to um, to the songs Emily Sanday and Rita Ora and Marcus Mumford and yeah, one of the firefighters turned around to me and just said this this is special, isn't it? This is really special, and I was, I was like, absolutely. This is, this is amazing. Um, and you could hear a pin drop when when she was singing. Um, there was um, absolute silence, um, and it was the, the song choices were were perfect for the day. Um, you know, and QPR really did. Um, I mean, it's, it sounds really corny, but that song lyric, uh, the you've got the light to fight the shadows. And uh, I think QPR did that that day, and I was very, very proud of my club. Andy, you you played a, an active role in in the game, um, in, including actually being out there, donning the boots once again. And it really was. I mean, it's a month on uh, to the day um, that we're recording this. Um, it was one of those days that still everybody in the offices, still the fans, everybody's still talking about it a month on. But what's important now is that years on, 
decades on that there's a legacy that's being created and the club and the community trust are going some way to doing that yeah very much so you know um, I'm actually going down there this afternoon as a as a football thing going on during half term there's the program going on which attracts a lot of the kids either directly or indirectly affected that's so important that it does continue over a, a number of years because what we see a lot of times when there's a tragedy you see one major event happen and then that's it um, but you know Going on from what Paul said, it was a, it's a month in, but for me, still a really, really special day. I, like Paul, was very proud to uh, to play a very small part in it. You know, a, a lot of people went to extreme lengths to make sure the game took place. Uh, it's great to see the community come together. Great to see our club. You know what we did uh, for the community. But as you rightly say, it has to be an ongoing thing. And obviously, the the main point of it was to obviously put smiles on faces mm. of those who have been affected by the fire but ultimately it was to help raise funds as well to, to help those families to move on with their, their lives, rebuild their lives in many cases. When do we hope to have a figure from the money raised on the day of Game for Grenfell? Hopefully uh, later this week. Um, obviously there, there's going to be a 50-50 split, 50% will go directly to the survivors then 50% will be for wider community projects. Those discussions like Andy alludes to there are are still ongoing with the with the second aspect of that, but yeah, hopefully a final final figure this week. Um, I think the final figure will probably just be short of a million pound, um, which is an incredible amount to raise in in such a short mm. space of time. Because I think we've alluded to it a few times that those projects sometimes take between nine and twelve months to yeah. set up. We did that in six weeks. So um, to create such a wonderful event and to raise such an incredible amount of money will go. Yeah, a long way and it, it's not just about what we do now though it, we've touched on it it's the legacy going forward there's meetings with the FA um, with Arsenal Chelsea who um, kindly gave their community shield pot 250,000 um, QPR as well QPR and the community trust Marcus Mumford there's meetings set up in the next couple of weeks so we'll know a little bit more and obviously as and when we'll keep supporters informed about what are the next steps and it's that second 50% so 50% goes to families the second 50% is for the wider projects mm. it's that 50% that will help to create that legacy you're talking about yeah very much so and Andy, Andy touched on it there um, you know, he's, he's off to some of the soccer schools this afternoon it's not just about football though because you know, whilst, whilst football's great for the young boys and, and some of the young girls to be involved in it's about what we can do for the adult survivors what we can do um, you know, for the for the young girls, you know, people that have lost loved ones, people that, and I spoke to Nick Burton, who was one of the survivors, and I spoke to him this morning. He's still in a hotel. You know, we need to help these guys out as much as we can. We need to give them some kind of um, relief away from from the from the ongoing encounters and problems that they're still suffering. So you know, there'll be we do a lot of we do a lot of brilliant work at the club with old age pensioners with the extra time club. So it'll be it'll just be looking at. Probably, you know, if it ain't broke, don't fix it because what we already do, aside from Grenfell, is great. But let's try and get in some of these projects now, align them to Grenfell so that it gives everybody hope for the future. And that's the fantastic thing, I think, about uh, Grenfell is it let the, the community know that mm. people are listening. Yeah. Um, because, like you say, if you're stuck in a hotel room um, and you're trying to find a way out and, and try and re rebuild your life, I think Game for Grenfell... Um, was a voice for that for, for, for that situation, and it, it it let the people know that you know they are being listened to, and and that's that's a massive thing. 
yeah. aside from all the money that of course is very very important yeah I think it was awareness as well as, well as uh, monetary gain wasn't it on the day because you know you saw it, and the pitch invasion at the time I was thinking oh god not a pitch invasion <laughs> this is a disaster but it was just those people over there sitting, sitting behind where we are now in the QP and the, mm. and the R behind us in the LSE Road stand um, it was just those guys there and it was almost that emotion just got the better of them and that was what the day was all about they, they were so close to Oli Mers they, yeah. Just, yeah. <laughs> they just wanted they just wanted to get close to Oli Mers yeah. no, it, it was, all felt very safe yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, it was incredible and, and, and you can still donate the game for Grenfell Virgin Money giving page is, is still online I think there's over 23,000 there and like I say the final total we're, we're expecting just to be short of a million pounds which, which is incredible, and uh, there's a lot of people that deserve credit, but there's also uh, a lot of work still to be done and to ensure that the game for Grenfell legacy lives on. Chaps, uh, a 2-1 defeat uh, to Fulham on Friday night, but I think we all felt a little bit aggrieved at full-time because um, certainly uh, in the nine minutes of added time, if not the 90 minutes that preceded it, QPR really gave it a go and kept going, Andy. Yeah, I think uh, all our fans, me included, would have gone away thinking, you know what, we've had a right go there. But just came up a little bit short again against a really, really good side. Mm. A side that's coming into... Um, it pained me to say that, but they are a good side. Yeah, they are a good <laughs> side. They, you know, got a lot of pace, uh, coming into a bit of form. But uh, no, again, uh, we're in the game. We're, we're very close. And, you know, we're, we're inches away from snatching something, you know... Uh, Smith's had one cleared off the line. Alex Smith has come up and. Tobler and Head. Uh, <laughs> yeah, you know, he's actually got a great chance. Um, but yeah, fine margins again to find the game. It is fine margins in this division. And we, we started the game um, so positively, which is why that deflected goal when it arrived just on the stroke, stroke of half time was a, a, a real kick in the teeth. Yeah, it was. And as soon as um, it went off Jack Robinson, Frederick shot off Jack Robinson, as soon as it went in, I turned to the guy next to me and I said, Look at our players, four of them mm. dropped to their knees. It wasn't because they were exhausted, it was because they put so much in mm. and just before half time a deflected stroke own goal puts us one down and they four of them dropped to their knees. I, I cannot believe that we're shows in this game. Shows they care though, doesn't it? That shows a, a great attitude and, and the one thing that has come across certainly for me this season is that this is a group of players that, that do care. We will talk about the season so far later on in the in the podcast, but you aren't seeing QPR side roll over and die anymore which was often an accusation especially in these West London derbies where our, our, our record is absolutely terrible but you're not seeing that from this current group of players Absolutely, They're, they put in a, a real shift and um, I speak for a lot of fans when uh, I say that I'm, I'm happy to see players playing for the shirt mm. uh, we're, in, we're heading in the right direction and you know the game on Friday night was a great indicator of that. Um, it's you know QPR of of recent history might have uh, folded and let mm. you know three or four um, passed and uh, and they didn't. They put in a shift and and, and toward, towards the end it, it looked like we were going to nick a point. Um, didn't happen. Uh, but even the deflected goal, you know, they were the defenders were in the right position. It was you know it, it could have been a great interception. It just 
went off went off his heel. I think I yeah. saw in the slow motion replay, and uh, it was unlucky. It was a it was a weak goal. I'd yeah. say that <laughs> it was frustrating. And but and then what was frustrating is that Fulham get a penalty, which was never a penalty. I think uh, having seen Mr Holloway down the tunnel at full time, he certainly believed it wasn't a penalty. Um, but they missed the penalty, don't they? Um, as they always do as against QPR. Do, yeah. <laughs> um, but then to concede so soon, soon after, and Oli wasn't. Um, complaining too much about the manner of performance he did however complain about how we conceded that second goal far too much space for, for Johansson and his quality when he pulls that trigger he gives Alex Smith his no chance yeah 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 you're spot on it was it was really disappointing because when they missed the penalty uh, you think that's giving you a lifeline you know the stadium picks oh, itself up the lift it gave mm. around the stadium suddenly there was a roar and, and I thought this could actually benefit us now because we were playing okay we were playing, yeah, exactly yeah, just sort of starting to tail off like oh we run out of time then they had the penalty and you think game's over then they miss it and you think right game on mm. and then within a couple of minutes and I remember Middlesbrough was it Middlesbrough last season um, when Alex Smithy saved the penalty and put it round for the corner mm. and the stadium's all buzzing they scored the directly yeah. from the corner mm. and it was a similar, like yeah. similar situation yeah it was frustrating because up until then we'd been on the front foot not necessarily creating the chances and the one accusation that I would level at us on Friday night was that that final ball was missing all too often would you agree with that Andy as, yeah. a, as a fellow wide yeah. you know, as a no, wide I man think, uh, as I say um, an ex-wide man I've, <laughs> I've quite liked what I've seen in the majority of the games this year but that was pro- that's probably been if you take the, the season as a whole mm. the 11 games you know just when we work the ball into good areas it's that that cross with the right technique going mm. to the right area or someone just um, you know if you're laying it off we call it pass appreciation and put it with the right speed so someone can either hit a first time or or have a touch but uh, no but as you say a um, little bit of quality but that's I, I, I certainly think we've got the players it's just finding it and them stepping up to the mark and, and producing their best as we've seen you know you go back to the first game of the season we were outstanding you go to Sheffield Windsor we were outstanding you know you turn it round against Hull we play re- we dominate the game against Ipswich until mm. the last six or seven minutes and they score mm. and they give us a, so as I say um, we're just having a little bit of a blip at the minute which I'm sure will come to uh, as we digest the season but um, no panic stations One, sorry, go on. I was going to say the stats were very encouraging mm. Friday night um, 24 shots I think 24 shots um, not all of them on target but um, that, you know we're getting ourselves uh, up, up the pitch and, uh, and and like you said on on the front foot for for some good moments of the game and if we can just convert those chances then you know we'll be moving the right way up the table social media is often something you can gauge can't you um, in terms of supporters reaction and certainly after a, a derby defeat you always expect it to be really negative mm. but it wasn't and even people leaving the stadium on Friday night I think because when Connor scored that gave us hope and then for those last seven or eight minutes after he scored it was all one way traffic and I think if the game had gone on for even maybe another two or three minutes it, it would have probably been a share of the spores which probably on the balance of play might have been about right yeah we had a big chance just after Connor had scored I think within a minute Luke. we had that big chance from Luke Freeman mm. keep pulled off a great save but I, and I also think a, a good gauge as well is the people in the stadium mm. at the final whistle they're absolutely gutted to lose to local yeah. rivals mm. full of filled the away end and they're full of voice and singing and you looked around and everyone was stood applauding the QBR players off the pitch and that doesn't happen too often after a defeat. It certainly doesn't happen too often after a derby defeat. Mm. And I thought that was a that was testament to what was a, a really encouraging performance despite the result. 
one guy who got uh, a lot of the plaudits after the game was was Jack Robinson. Ian Holloway openly told the media that Jack was a player that he was potentially looking to get out on loan at the start of the season just to give him some game time. But he's made the most of a number of defensive injuries at the heart of the QPR, back three, five, four, whatever it may be. And he's taken full advantage. He, for the last six games, he's he's probably been the standout player. Yeah, he's been excellent. You know, He's waiting a long time for, uh, for a... A runner games, and that's I think that's the important thing with Jack. Mm. He's backed up playing on a Saturday, then playing on a Tuesday, yep. a Friday, a Tuesday, mm. a Saturday. He's had a real runner games, which over the last couple of seasons, through no fault of his own, you know, he's had horrendous injury problems. Um, and it's been good to see, you know, because we've been decimated at the back. Yeah. But out of that sort of adversity, he's come strong. And Alex, as Alex well. Baptiste has been really, really mm. steady, and now showing, you know, what a, an important sign and. He has been and will be as the as the season goes on. So, uh, so yeah, out of a, a poorer sort of run, there's always positives to take, you, and he's been a major one. Do you think Ollie will see him more as a centre back now than a left back? I think he's got to, hasn't he, with the mm. form he showed? Yeah. yeah, he has to. Yeah. He said on Friday he's the first name on the team sheet mm. now. And I, I think mean, the pleasing thing for Jack is, you know, um, he gives you that flexibility, he gives you balance with his left foot. Mm. Uh, but he, he he's played in a four, he's played in a three. Uh, he can get a left back uh, if if need be. So, uh, so yeah, it's terrific. He's he's almost three players in one, if you like, position wise. And he's very disciplined as well, isn't he, Paul? Like on Friday against Fulham, when we're throwing mm. everyone forward, Jack was the one who stayed back and stayed right on top of their striker, and we were able to pin Fulham in mm. because. Jack wasn't let anything go beyond him. He was winning those aerial battles, winning the 50-50s, nicking the ball off him and just happy to sort of set people off on their way again. Absolutely, and it's uh, so harsh to uh, to have your name there as uh, the as player that goal. scored the own goal. Yeah. Um, because actually he did brilliantly to get between the player and the goal. Um, yeah. And, uh, you know, it, it was one inch away from being a great interception. Um, and so it's very harsh in those situations where you get a... OG next to your name because um, he has been standout um, workhorse and and a great a great uh, insurance at the back when um, when when players are like you said going up the pitch and he, he stays back to make sure that that nothing's going to get past. And he's a great guy, Moz. We um, we deal with him on a, a regular occasion. He's a go-to guy for us. He's a, a good talker. Um, he gets the game, and he's he's one that in the dressing room has got a really loud voice, which some people might not necessarily see. He's a he's a bold scouser. Yeah, he is. Um, and I actually quite like. There's a few of them in the team now who will be very frank with each other. I've seen a couple of exchanges, mm, yeah. and you think, crikey, it's it's so frank. You think it's going to be a problem, and then. The next morning, they're at the training ground, sat having breakfast. I think that's good. I think, that, I think that's really. Did you have that a lot throughout your yeah, career? There I were a lot of leaders that yeah. openly because there, there's been a couple of occasions where Mackie and Freeman have gone at each other hell for leather during the game, <laughs> yeah. but then they'll walk off at full time and they're best mm. of chums. Is that? I mean, Alan McDonald was a huge voice, wasn't yeah. he? Did he? Did he often no. pull players from pillar to post yeah. during the ninety but minutes? We all did, you know. If, if if I'm not crossing the ball early, Les would be on at me. If Clive Wills has not given me the ball early enough, I'd be on a Clive. If I'm letting a runner go, Clive and Alan McDonald for sure would be on at me. Ray Wilkins would be constantly giving you loads of <laughs> praise, but also demanding more from you, mm. if that makes sense, during games, during training. So I think that's really, really good, really healthy. I speak to a lot of people in the game, and they say that's something that's going out of the game. And mm. I see that. Mm. Too many players, too many teams now rely on the coach to change it, whether that's from the side, at half-time, or, you know, say what they want at the end of the game when it's sometimes too late you know players manager can do all his work during a week he picks his team which he gets either criticised or praised for depending on what happens once they cross that white line there's very believe me there's very very little 
a manager can do. A manager can't make a player put a great cross in. A manager can't mm. make a player get that extra yard. He can ask them to and demand them to and work on the training ground. But once you're in the heat of the battle, so uh, so yeah, so that's you know I see that a lot more than what we've had, and I think that's a good thing. And again, it goes back to that word care. Yeah. Uh, you know, playing for the shirt, mm. and that's 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 pleasing to see. Pleasing to see. 11 games played, 13 points on the board, 16th in the table. Andy Sinton, is that about right? I think we're probably a couple of points short. Uh, one of our performances have warranted mm. and deserved. Mm. But you know what? Um, sometimes I get a little bit fed up with leaving a ground saying, oh, we're unlucky. Mm-hmm. You know, we've got to stop being unlucky and we've got to turn these good performances into something. Um, but no. You know, you look at the, the the start of the season. If you split it almost, you can't split eleven games in two. But if you take the first six, you've got ten points. Mm. Last five, we've tailed off a little bit uh, in terms of certainly results, mm. uh, performance-wise to the to the degree. But we're in every game. You know, if you look at the eleven games, we beat Red in two 0 We lost at Norwich two 0 Every other game has either been drawn or decided by the odd goal. Mm. That shows you you're in every game. That shows you how competitive uh, this division is. And that shows you we're not too far away. But we just, you know, earlier in the in the recording we were talking about, you know, that little bit of quality, final ball, that can make the difference, mm. fine margins. You know, we, we mentioned Jack Robinson, yeah, that's a fine margin that defines a game. You know, that mm. that goes anywhere, you mm. know. But it hits his heel and it ricochets, he's wrong foot, Alex Smith, he's a goes in the goal. So, uh, so yeah, so uh, I'm a great believer after 10 games it normally gives you an idea, but I probably think... We're just a couple of points short of what we deserve. And those couple of points, as we all know, can make all the difference uh, in the championship. The home form, Paul, um, Paul Bullion, not Paul Morrissey, the home form, 11 points um, from a possible 18, has us ninth in the home league table, as it were. And if we are going to improve this season and jump up the table, that home form is going to be bloody important. Yeah, yeah. They, they, you know, they, call, they call this stadium our cave. Um, and I think it is becoming that. Um, and uh, I think with uh, we've got the the great foundations. I think um, our manager has absolutely um, made some incredible signings. Regardless of what um, people were, some people were moaning about not spending money, but you know when we did sign players, they were, they were incredibly clever signings. Uh, Baptiste coming in, he's worked with Holloway before. Mm. Um, and he's proven to be a great signing. Um, Freeman's been Freeman's been just been out, just outstanding. Free, Freeman, like you get those players where you know, everybody starts talking about them, just outside the club as well. Everybody yeah. they they notice players like Freeman, um, and he has got that quality. And he's only getting better and better, and more and more confident. And he's going on these runs. He's um, he's going for these these shots, and he's capable of scoring more, like he did against. Um, like you do against Barnsley, incredible goal, um, you know, and and that that's going to be one of the contenders for a goal of the season, mm-hmm. I'm sure. Um, and I think move, moving up the table it can happen um, just by a few tweaks, but the foundations there, the confidence is building in the players, and if we can put a string of uh, re- results together um, later in the season, there's no reason why we can't be up there. And like going back to what I said earlier, you've always got to believe anything can happen, and. Uh, we we have the foundations there to to, to do that. Josh Goen, Paul um, Paul Morrissey this time. Josh Goen would be um, right up there, wouldn't he? If, uh, mm. if the Player of the Year vote was to end now, he'd be right up there. How impressed have you been with him during the first eleven games of the season? I think he's been 
outstanding and he's still only 24 as well mm. it'd be interesting to see just how far he, he can go in the game because I think he's a, an excellent player and you have to take your, your cap off to the recruitment at QPR when you think to get Josh going on a free transfer mm. when the sort of money that's been paid at Wolves paid £15 million for a defensive mm. midfielder just going on a free transfer is incredible business. Then you look at Luke Freeman was a nominal fee. Yep. Alex Baptiste, another free transfer. I mean, it's incredible that the players we're getting in for the, the, the outlay and compared with, obviously, what we've done in, in recent years as well. And then, back then, players weren't getting applauded off the pitch after a defeat like they are now because know, yeah. there's a complete different spirit in the dressing room. And I think it, it has come from the recruitment and the style of players that we're bringing in. And Josh going is the the epitome of the success of that approach in my 10 and a half 11 or so years here and, and Paul not too far behind the away form has been a problem it continues to be a problem there's two games coming up that on paper you would like to think we've got a chance of winning against the two bottom clubs in the championship Andy can you can you put your finger on why despite encouraging performances away from home it's not necessarily yielding a, a positive points return no, I can't, to be honest, and that's the oh, frustrating okay. thing. <laughs> <laughs> End <Okay>. of pod. Because <laughs> if you look at the game, you know, Cardiff were ahead. Mm-hmm. Well, I can put my finger on it. We give stupid goals away. Yeah. So there, there's your answer. Or we give poor goals away at, at critical times. Mm-hmm. So we're, we're doing really, really uh, well at Cardiff, who had won the first four games or five games, whenever it was. Yeah. We're ahead. Back pass goal, deflection. We, we contribute to the goal against us. We're, we're well in the game at Norwich, three minutes into the second half. Give a goal away by our undoing. Yeah, well worth goal, but we contribute to the goal yeah. again. Sheffield Wednesday, you know, straight after half time again, critical period of the game when we're ahead again. So it's just mm. we spoke about it. Uh, the Naivety, moment. switching off, inexperience, probably a nerves, uh, probably a lot of that. Uh, everything that you've just mentioned there comes into it, you know. But again, fine margins, better decision making, and we'll be will be absolutely fine because some of our away performances Sheffield Wednesday excellent mm. Norwich first half nothing in the game against the team now are starting to hit Motor, form yeah. and, and, and go well Middlesbrough away you know we, we, we're resilient we stay in the game we score two away from home which if you score two away from home you should be getting some of the game but Pav hits the post with a few minutes to go so we could walk away from there a point so that's where I alluded to we're about a couple of points short, a of, where couple we should of be. points short of where we should be, but we've just got to keep going, got to keep knocking at the door. We've got to keep believing uh, in ourselves as a as a club, as a team. The players certainly have got to, you know, look at themselves and how can they improve, how can they get better. Whether it's extra work on the training ground, whether it's, you know, just mental concentration and half time when when you go in and naturally you you, mm. you settle down a little bit. You know, that's a key period just after half time. Did that Barnsley game show though that there is that fight and that character? Because again. We, we look, we've looked back on Friday night but looking back on Tuesday again yeah. we could have folded at 1-0 against Barnsley and we have done that I look past, at most of our games this year I don't think fight or commitment or character can be called into question because I could reel off the load against Hull we turned it around Ipswich we had to withstand the last five minutes mm. you know, Millwall we came back from 2-0 down mm. uh, and probably should have won the game the other night you throw in the kitchen sink at them all beer people might say well it was only 10 minutes and you're in to yeah you are but we did so, yeah, and you're away from home, so you're always going to be up against it. Exactly. So uh, Cardiff, you know, you go and put on a really good performance, um, and again concede from your own undoing, and then concede on the stroke uh, of half time. Now Paul mentioned uh, 
Alex Smithy's saving a penalty uh, last year. Then Middlesbrough going from the corner. Mm. He pulled off a hell of a save at Cardiff, and they scored from the corner. Mm. Mm. Yeah. So it uh, is those fine margins. Really fine margins. But the pleasing thing for me is no one's playing us off the park. No one's hammering us. As I just said, you know, uh, every game's either drawn or by the odd goal. Yeah. So uh, that fills us out. We've been decimated at the back. So that's a character. I was going to touch on that. As a as a player, uh, as a former player. Have you ever known? Not one position. It, that's the thing. I Not mean, even position. even though we're playing three at the back, whereas you know you sometimes play a four or or what have you, we've lost li- at some point throughout the season. Everybody has been unavailable. I mean, Grant Hall's a, a huge loss, yep. isn't he? Because when he plays, the the stats suggest that we're a far yep. better side, and the points return suggests that as well. But you know, you're looking here. Perch, pretty much going to be out for the season. Anua out for months. Grant Hall. By the time he comes back, it will have been months. Mm. Lynch has been out for weeks. Corker has, has had injuries, and we know he's had personal problems as well that have ruled him out for months, weeks and months. It's incredible when you look at it, and then you're looking at someone like Jack Robinson, who has, for 18, 24 months, been sidelined through injury. Now, all of a sudden, <laughs> yeah. he's played six Playing games in a row. So there are, there are obviously downsides to having so many injuries. There are upsides with someone like Robbo being able to come in and play so many games. But incredible the the challenge that Ian Holloway and his staff face by mm. patching up a team just and to go out there on a Saturday night. And that, that's what they've had to do. Um, you know, Neda Manua, uh, I believe, is a really, really good defender. You know, sometimes you don't realise what you're missing until he's out. Until he's out. Yeah. You know, um, but as we said earlier on, through adversity, gives people a chance. Baptista's come strong. Robinson's done really, really well. But... That's a your initial question. I've never known anything like it. All in one position, all to be at the same time, and all of them pretty much to be what you would say longish term injuries. Mm. And yet, the rest of the squad, touch wood, everybody's really been fit for the majority of the season, haven't they? Everybody's looking for a piece of wood to touch now. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. But yeah, yeah the, the, the majority have been, haven't they? Especially the midfield three. Yeah. They've been they've been available throughout really the season. Um, yeah, I think the there's men been two available. games, isn't there, where one of those three has Josh missed been out with a dead leg and Mass was ill, wasn't there? That's yeah, right. Apart from that. Those agreement. three have played every week and looking great. Yeah, yeah <laughs> looking do. great. They, they, they look so good together. If you're um, a midfielder trying to get into that team, you're not only trying to dislodge one of them, you're breaking up the partnership of mm. that three, and that partnership is so strong. I think Ian Holloway is going to be very reluctant to to bring anyone in for one of those three. As a supporter, Paul, yeah. um, and having seen a, a lot of the games, would it be the performances of those midfield three that really give you? Food for op- uh, room for optimism between now and and, and, the, and the rest of the season because they've been absolutely outstanding. As well. Yeah, the, the, their link up's incredible. Um, they, they they give us uh, a lot of flow. Um, on Friday night, there were some lovely movements up the side of the pitch, and mm-hmm. uh, and Fre- Freeman, a great uh, creative player. Um, as well as the others, but Freeman especially is just just stand out. He he creates something um, uh, out of, out of nothing a lot mm. of the time. Um, but the link up play is great. He's not a greedy player. Um, a lot a lot of players with that kind of ability to be able mm. to to smash it from that far and have a uh, have a dig. He he goes for the the best pass, if, uh, the best best pass if that's the yeah. the way to the way to go. And uh, and he's not greedy. And I just think the midfield's fantastic. And I think the sixteenth, obviously. You know, it is early in the season, really, and uh, 
and you know being be uh, the optimist again um, you know I think we're only seven points from from that playoff line yeah. <laughs> um, so we'll see where we are again in a, f- in, in, in a few months um, I think 16th is uh, you know I've just looked at that now I didn't really think about that but as a number you go oh 16th that's it's a relegation battle, mm. yeah. uh, but you know we're early in the season, and seven points um, is just a string of, uh, a string of good results. And, and if you uh, look at it as well, a lot of people prior to the start of the season were all saying, "Well, given the lack of investment, given the lack of players, it's going to be a relegation battle anyway." So, if anything, it, it has been a, a better than average start. Yeah, yeah, I, I would agree. I think you're right. That's the first thing you look for. Last season, we did narrowly avoid relegation. Mm. So your first target is to improve on that and like you say because there wasn't a great deal of money spent that's the the natural fear if you like that we're going to be in another relegation battle and like you say Paul you see 16th and think well 11 games into the season perhaps that is what is ahead of us who knows but because of the the way we're playing the the style of play how we approach games how we attack teams I'm I'm confident that we'll be pushing away from Twelve days until we're back in competitive action. Uh, a trip up north uh, to Sun. You like the northern twang there? Uh, to to Sunderland. Um, Sunderland, a team that you always just expect to roller coaster their way back to the Premier League after being relegated last season. But it's not worked out that way, is it? Uh, Asingstown, second bottom in the table, having had a, a very tough start to the season under Simon Grace. Such a big club, you know. Um, can I say I'm quite pleased to see it because because <laughs> I'm a black and white. Um, you know, growing up where where I was from, they were the big rivals. But that's a massive club, great support. Um, and I'm like you, you know. Um, a lot of people thought they would get relegated, but be pushing to get straight back mm. up. But for one reason or another, hasn't worked. A change of manager, Simon Grayson's gone in with a, you know, done well most of the places he's been. Good reputation. Good reputation, but just hasn't hasn't quite happened. But. Yeah, they've had a couple of decent results, but we've got to be wary going into that game because mm. um, I think we've been here before sometimes, haven't we, when we're talking about a team. Yep. The wrong end of the table, on a poor run of uh, form. Uh, it's about us, you know. We've it's got a to QPR go way, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> we've got to go up there and we've got to get something from the game, simple as. One point from their five home games um, at the stadium are like that. That tells you everything about why they're in the position they're in. Um, and the stadium alight over the years has been a, a hotbed of, of football in the Premier League days, especially. They'd, they'd turn over a lot. Of, I remember you know, when, when they turn over the likes of Man City, Tottenham, Arsenal. They do. They do give teams a, a right going over at their place. But like you say, for one reason or another, it hasn't worked out. Their overall form: uh, drawn three, lost six in their last nine. So. It's a real opportunity for QPR, despite what Andy's just said. Uh, it is a real opportunity to get that monkey off our back and get that first away win of the season. Yeah, it definitely is. They've got seven points all season. Six have been away from the Stadium of Light. Mm. When, like you say, they've got amazing fans, and they have, but Go to the other way, they, can, they can actually be your, your biggest, your biggest problem. Yeah, it can be a strength, but a big weakness. There's that expectancy as well. Also, they will have seen what happened when Newcastle got relegated. They came back as champions. They're now... I think sixth or seventh in the Premier League. Mm-hmm. Sunderland a year later have gone down, and they look like they're falling straight through the trapdoor again. So there's that expectancy and that nervousness at the stadium of light, and I think that's obviously transcending onto the onto the pitch. And it is a huge opportunity for us. My only concern with that is we've been here before with QPR. <laughs> will QPR fans be going there? I think QPR fans will be going there expecting at least a point, mm-hmm. and 
I get that completely because look at Sunderland's stats. But with expectancy, anything can great. happen. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. As, as yeah. players, when you're playing in front of stadiums like the Stadium of Light and there is that weight of expectation and things aren't going your way, if you're an opposition player, what, what are you thinking? The first 10 minutes, the first 20 minutes are key, silence them and then, give them, then the boo boys yeah, start. Yeah. Give them absolutely nothing to pick them up. Similar to like we did at Hillsborough. Yeah, similar to that. You know, um, you know there will be. Paul's alluded to it. There'll be a nervousness, an agitation, an expectancy. You know, the natives up there are restless. You know, because they don't like uh, quite rightly where they are. So mm. we've got a. It's like a game of chess. You know, we've got to counteract that. So start solid, start strong, frustrate. Certainly give nothing away, and then see what happens. But they obviously haven't been great at the back. If you look at the mm. clean sheet record. Mm. So again, it comes back to us, you know. Can we can we work the ball into areas? Can we find that cross killer pass? Can we get bodies in the box? Can we get on the end of things? Can we make the motion of set plays? All of that comes into easy game, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> I love that idea. I love that idea of using their fans to our advantage. Yeah. If we can mm. frustrate them and, uh, and and get their fans on on their teams back, and then yeah, that's great. And because from Sunderland's point of view as well, you think right, we're home to QPR who are 16th in the table well we've got to win this one mm. as a Sunderland fan surely that's what you're thinking you're looking at a team that's 16th yep. you're at home well if we're not looking to win this one where are we picking up our points from mm. so the expectancy level will be raised from Sunderland's point of view for this one and I think if because of our style of play if we start how we have pretty much almost in every game this season which is on the front foot getting at them pressing them forcing them back I think we could turn their fans on to our advantage very very quickly and hopefully by that time we might have a couple of the centre halves back as well which mm. will obviously uh, obviously boost um, Ian Holloway and his staff Andy how do you see us approaching that game is it a case of like Paul says being on the front foot from, from the first whistle I don't think Oddie really knows any other way does he yeah other than probably a couple of games last year certainly when we won away at Reading and we sat off mm. and let them have it because that was more to do with the way Reading played yeah. I think this year the approach has been get in their faces stop them playing high energy uh, from the front which as I say has been really really pleasing to a degree just got to make use of situations when we you know when we do get it wide or we we get a set play it's just that that final ball and just keep the back door shut keep your concentration keep your focus discipline do your own jobs and we'll I think we'll be absolutely fine Absolutely fine. And um, Paul, just before we finish, um, thanks again for joining us. It's been a, a pleasure having you on the, the Lovecast. What would what would be your summary then? Um, Eleven games in, a, a game against Sunderland, and then after that, a game against Bolton, who are also languishing at the wrong end of the table. What are your feelings after eleven games? Uh, speaking as a, as a fan, as a supporter of the club, um, I am feeling very positive about where the club is at. Um, I feel positive about the squad, about the attitude of the squad. You can't put a price on that um, that passion that, that's coming through from the players. You can't buy that passion. Uh, the transfers have, have proven to be to be good ones. Um, and I think you know, as a fan, you know, we are original members of the Premier League. I do believe that's where we belong. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think we'll we'll get back there, whether it's um, you know this season next season season after we're in we're in a good position moving the right way with a good squad and uh, we've got a lot of things to be positive about I think the next two games we, we are playing again I, I see Bolton and Sunderland as, as, as big uh, big clubs mm-hmm. I think um, you know Bolton um, have only you know 
getting getting over uh, you know coming back coming back up and that's a hard thing to do championships are a very hard league to get out of and it's a very hard league to come into um and and obviously Sunderland they have massive expectations on them um being the massive club that they are but I think we can use that to our advantage and um and go in there positive and uh, I, I can see us picking up points in those games um if I had to say <laughs> points uh, <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll be happy if we if we took um, you know I'd say yeah I want to win I want to win against Sunderland so I'd say I'd say I want to get three points at Sunderland and we'll see what happens at Bolton. Mm-hmm.